I don't know how, how you feel. I love New Year's. I love the, the time around New Year's, the feeling of progress and that possibility is available, that goals are available, that there's things that can actually change in our life. And I know, statistically speaking, I don't remember what it is. It's maybe, I, I looked it up, but it's like 6% or something of, of your resolutions will actually you know, come to pass. So it's not a lot, not to be discouraging, but I still love the, the atmosphere, the mood of there is change that is available. There is change that is possible. Life doesn't have to stay the same. Things can be different. Things can be better. I love that mood and that that feeling that we can have at the beginning of a year. But implied in that is also that things are difficult and that things are challenging. You wouldn't have to set goals if things happened automatically. You wouldn't say, man, I really hope to lose this much weight, or I really hope to make these changes financially, or I really hope to make these changes spiritually if it just automatically happened. Implied in the feelings of progress and possibility is also that things are difficult, that life is difficult. It's saying that things are not easy, that they are hard. And one of the hard things about life is knowing where to begin. One of the hard things about progress and change and possibility is knowing where do I start? Uh, for those of you that have kids, or maybe if you bought presents for nieces or nephews or children or uh, grandchildren, a lot of things that we have need to be assembled, whether those are Legos or some sort of, you know, I don't know, shelf or various things that you buy. We bought our, our daughter kind of a, an adult 3D puzzle that's a, also a music box, really cool, but very complicated to build especially for someone who's not a natural builder. And I'm not talking about her, uh, myself. It, very complicated. Lots of pieces, all of it, tiny little things, all wood stuff. Really cool, but very complicated. And if, if we just took that box and emptied it out, I wouldn't have a clue where to start if there wasn't instructions. You've got hundreds of pieces, hundreds of pieces. And going, where, how do I start this? That's one of the hardest pieces of life. And we think about just your life, goals that you have, areas that you want to change, things in your marriage, things in your family, things parenting, things with your finances, your health, or spiritually speaking. One of the hardest places is, where do I start? You've got all these different things, and it can be overwhelming. You can see all the pieces of your life, and, and you might not just see one area that needs growth or progress. You might see all sorts, and it can be like, how, where do I begin? And it's not even that. There's... There's multiple instruction manuals that are available for you, misleading you. Where do you begin? That's, that's one of the hardest pieces, and not just in your life, but even when we look at the world. It's an election year. Sorry to bring that up. But when you look at politics, when you look at the media, when you look at influences, when you look at the world and its problems... When you look at the culture and changes and voices and all different things, it can be hard to know, where do I begin? How do I sort through this? Where do I start personally and in the world to think through things? And this series is titled, A Field Guide for Living in an Insane World. We need instructions. 
We need a guide to be able to know where to begin and know how to put together all the pieces in your life. You want strength. You want change. You want progress. You want music. But where do you begin? How do you start? This letter, the letter of 1 Corinthians, written to the church in Corinth, which is a city in Greece, this letter is written really as a field guide through the mess of a world that they were living in. Very similar to ours. And this church, the church in Corinth, was the most messed up church in the Bible. Of all the different letters, if you've read the New Testament, maybe it's your goal to read through the Bible this year. If you, if you look at the church in Philippi or the church in Colossae or the church in Rome, all these different letters that the, the Bible was written to in the New Testament, this church was the most messed up church in the whole Bible. Which is why it would be good for us to look at. No, I'm just... It was the most messed up church. It was a major city, Corinth was, very diverse. Their church was, the city itself was kind of a, a melting pot of all these different religious beliefs. Much of the ancient Roman world was like that. But all these different beliefs, all these different categories of spirituality that were available and people would pick and choose the different things that fit for them and worked for them. This temple for this, this God for this, this belief system for this. Paul had started the church. Many new Christians, only a few years old, this church. He had started the church and then he left because Paul wasn't really a pastor. He was a missionary. He would start churches and be there for a few years, then go to a new place, start churches. So he had started a church and now he was gone. And there's all these new Christians in this very difficult city and they've got all sorts of questions. All sorts of questions where they're trying to figure out and navigate through life now with these new beliefs. What do we do? How do we live? What is the right thing to think and believe? And they have all sorts of questions. And this book, in some ways, is kind of all over the place. It deals with this thing, and then this thing, and then this thing, but that's partly because it was these letters that had been sent to Paul with questions, and it's kind of a Q&A session where he's answering a lot of the different things, or he's answering some of the problems that have been told to him about things that are happening in the church. And the book, the letter, will cover conflict, it will cover prostitution. It will cover incest. It will cover getting drunk at communion. It will cover Sundays with people just going crazy. It will cover marriage. It will cover leadership and authority. It will cover all sorts of things. Paul gets into, as this church is trying to figure out, how do we live in this world? How do we worship in this world? What does it mean to be God's people? And as we start a new year, and you're trying to figure out in your life, how do I navigate through a crazy world? And just how do I navigate through my life with all the different questions? How do I navigate through trying to grow spiritually? How do I navigate through my marriage and my family and a changing world and my job and my career and friendships? And maybe you're just starting out with faith or just exploring faith. How do, how do I navigate through that with everything else going on around me? How do I stay strong? How do I face the difficulty that is coming at me this year? Some of it maybe you know. Some of it you do not know. How do I face this world? 
this book will help us know, where do I begin? It's got so many questions, so many things. Where would Paul start? Where would, where would this great spiritual leader begin as he's trying to help people navigate through all the difficulty that he's going to get into? I imagine him sitting down to write this letter. And he's looking at all the other letters that have been sent to him and all the reports, and he knows this is a big, giant puzzle piece of stuff that, that I have to speak into. Where am I going to start? There's a lot of challenges that we face. Where do we start? And here's where Paul's going to start. I'm just going to give you a phrase. That the beginning of building the beginning of building your life, the beginning of building something beautiful, the beginning of building all these pieces, the beginning of building is belonging. The beginning of building is belonging. And that's true in your life, and it's true in their life. And that's where Paul starts, reminding them that they belong to God. And then explaining a few different pieces of what that means. So let's read this, and then we'll look at three aspects of belonging. Here's what he says. Paul called as an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God at Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called as saints, with all those in every place who call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in him in every way, in all speech, and all knowledge. In this way, the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, his return. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. You were called by him into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He starts with belonging. Three different aspects of that that he talks about that I want us to explore together that will help us know where to begin and how to move forward. First, the identity of belonging. The identity of belonging. That belonging gives us an identity. When we get immersed in another world, when we get immersed in another world, it's easy to forget who you are. I don't know, you know if you've ever seen movies like this. I, 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 uh, I still like movies like this, but especially really used to enjoy movies like this, but where uh, maybe a police officer or an FBI agent or someone goes undercover, right? One of the best of all time, and I can't recommend everything in this movie. It's been a long time since I've seen it. There's the, the asterisk, okay? Uh, it might be wonderful family-friendly, but probably not. But uh, a movie called Donnie Brasco. It's with Johnny Depp. And it's based on a true story, but he goes deep, deep, deep undercover, with the criminal family and mafia and all this stuff. But what starts to happen as you go undercover is he starts to change. He starts to, as he's immersed in another world, not just be pretending, but becomes one of them, becomes a violent person, becomes somebody that is a part of the crimes. And where's the line now? Am I just a part of this world, immersed here, but I'm distinct? Or is this getting inside of me? Am I becoming too much like the thing that I'm immersed in? The more that you get immersed in another world, the more you can start to forget who you are. 
And this happens in our life as well. You can get immersed in your job. And some people will even say language like, I don't even know who I am anymore. You can get so busy in your life with all these different things and, and feel like, I feel like I'm losing myself. Sometimes people will say that language. Sometimes there's movies or songs that talk about finding yourself, which is to say that we have this potential of losing ourself. I don't even know who I am anymore. Certain things change and we had an identity attached to certain things and we say, I don't know who I am. The more that we get immersed in another world, we can start to forget who we actually are. Maybe I'll give you a, a, a more silly example as well that is more family friendly, but for those of you that are um, millennials and older millennials, other people as well, but uh, one of the classic movies of our childhood was The Lion King. And what happens in The Lion King is that Simba is the king. He's the true king, right? But he goes and he just decides to live in the jungle, hakuna matata, no worries. And he's just kind of living life, relaxed and free and hanging out and chilling. And Rafiki needs to say to him, this isn't who you are. You need to remember who you are. You're actually the king and you have a mission and you have a, a people that belong to you that you're supposed to be fighting good and evil and there's actually a calling on your life. You are actually the king and you're acting like a warthog and you're acting like you're eating, you know, whatever the, gr you're eating grubs and, and you're just, you're, you're, you're hanging out. You're, you're a vegetarian for goodness sake and you're a lion says, you need to remember who you are. You're the king. See, the more that you get immersed in another world, you begin to forget who you are. And you will never be able to navigate this life. You'll never be able to navigate this life if you don't know who you are. This is where Paul begins. Paul says, you need to remember who you are. When he writes to them, he says, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus called as saints. This is where he starts. He says, you need to know who you are. You are those that have been sanctified. That means set apart. It means made holy. It means that there is what is normal, and then the sanctified is this belongs for something special. You have been sanctified. You have been set apart by God. You belong to him for his purposes for him, himself. You are called as saints. God has called you. Saints does not just mean these people like Paul and Peter that we would call Saint Paul, Saint Peter. Saints are those that are sanctified, set apart. That is all of you. If you are a Christian, you are a saint. You are sanctified and set apart. You have been called by him. You are his. That is what the gospel is, the good news. The good news is that we are living our life apart from God, rejecting God, ignoring God, just kind of living our own life, doing our own thing. And God says, no, I'm calling you to myself. I'm calling you away from this to belong to me. You now are mine. You are called. You are sanctified or similar language, but he says you have God as your father and Jesus Christ as your Lord. Just kind of a different angle of the same thing. Remember who you are. You're not a criminal. You're undercover. You have a different identity. 
You're not just a, a, a jungle hippie. You are the king. Think, remember who you are. You've been called. You've been sanctified. You have God as your father. You have Jesus as your Lord. That's who you are. Jesus calls you into life with him. If you're not a Christian, I'll just tell you this. God is calling you even now. Why are you here this morning? How did you get here? What is it that you decided to, to be here? And I, you know, new year and new you and maybe try something new or maybe there's a God that is calling you and that thing and that idea and that thought is, is more than just you. But maybe it's somebody calling you and you don't hear the, the visible ring on the phone, but there is a voice that is drawing your heart and saying, I want you. If you're a Christian, that's what happened to you. If you're not a Christian, it's what is happening to you. God calls. He wants you. He calls to you. He says, to begin, you have to know who you are. If you want to begin to navigate through this world, if you want to begin to face the suffering and the challenges that will await us this year, if you want to know how to solve all the complexity of the various issues, if, if you want to bring your questions and your struggles to God, Paul says, there's a place that we have to start. And it's with the fact that you have an identity. You belong to him. And I don't know, maybe you think that this, that's not a wrestle for me. I, you know, I'm, not, I'm a Christian. I know that I'm a Christian. I know my identity. Maybe you don't think you really struggle with that. But think about some of your decisions over the last year. Think about even maybe if you're somebody that has set goals or resolutions. Think about some of your choices. Did those come from a place of you saying, okay, before I begin, I need to remember I belong to Jesus. That's who I am. Or where have your decisions come from? Do your decisions mainly just come from what will make me happy? What do I want? What feels good to me? What does my heart say? Or does it start with, who am I? Who do I belong to? Paul says, you can't answer any of the complex questions that you have. You can't face any of the difficult things that you are going to face if you don't start with saying, okay, here's who I am. I am called and sanctified. I belong to him. He's my father. He's my Lord. That's the starting place. What if every choice you made went through that grid? What if as you thought about life, you said, what would someone who belongs to Jesus do? What does it mean in this situation that I've been sanctified and called by him? How would that affect my time and my money and this ethical choice I'm facing and this career decision and this relationship? What if I remembered I belong to him? What if in all the suffering that you face, what if in all the challenges and areas you said, I belong to him, what would that change? Paul is saying that's where things have to begin. And I don't know, maybe, maybe you are not living like this. Maybe this is not the filter and the gauge and, and how you decide things in your life. Maybe that's not what is taking place. And that is why Paul begins there, because he knows that for many of them, it's not where they begin. 
So if you're hearing that today and say, I don't know if I've ever thought that, or that's not my regular pattern of thinking, isn't, I belong to him. So what does that mean for my life? What does that mean for my goals? What does it mean for my choices? I've been called by him. I've been sanctified by him. If, if that's not how you think, it doesn't mean you're just a lost cause and, well, too bad. That's why Paul starts here, because he knows that's not what's governing them, and that can be different. That's where you have to begin. That's where we all have to begin. And that's not all. The identity of belonging is first that you belong to him, but that's not all he reminds them of, of their identity. He also says that they belong to the church. He says to the church of God at Corinth, to those called, sanctified, etc. that we already looked at, to the church of God. You are, if you're a Christian, a part of a church. God does not just call you to himself. He does. He calls you. He sanctifies you. He, but he doesn't just do that to himself. He calls you into the church, to the church of God at Corinth. God calls you into community with other Christians. Why is that important to point out? And part of why it's important to point out is because we live in an age where the numbers of people that are de-churched, which means that at one point they were a part of a church and have left, is rapidly increasing. People that would say, yes, I belong to him, I've been sanctified by him, I'm a saint, he's my father, he's my Lord, and I don't need the church. And Paul says, no, that, that's not how it works. God calls you to himself, but he calls you into a family. You belong to him as you belong to the church. Paul writes to the church of God. The, I mean, the, the Bible is written to God's people, not just individuals. It's written to the church. God calls you into community. And I will tell you this, you will not be able to navigate life the way that God designs for you, desires for you, alone. You need to be connected to his people. Not just that there's a collection of individuals around you, but connected to a family. I would even say that in many ways, the quality of your life will rise or fall depending on your connection to God's church. And you might not believe that. You might not be sure if that's true. You might not know, kind of, I don't know. But the quality of your life will rise and fall in large part, dependent upon your connection to God's church. This is what he desires for you. This is not just his desire, it is, but it is your identity to the church of God. If you are a Christian, you are a part of the church. That's what his intention has always been. You cannot navigate life, you can't navigate life with amnesia can't navigate life with amnesia. You can't navigate life if you don't know who you are. So Paul begins saying, there is an identity of belonging. You are not just an autonomous individual. Your desires, your thoughts, your plans, just kind of, that's not who you are. You are someone that belongs to him and belongs to his people. Don't forget that. 
That's the beginning place that Paul starts. And then secondly, not just the identity of belonging, but there is a responsibility of belonging. There is a responsibility. It's easy to think of Christianity as a system of beliefs. We spent uh, the fall going through core Christianity, which was the system of belief of Christianity. So there are beliefs in Christianity. But it's easy to think of Christianity as just a series of beliefs or perhaps an emotional help, an emotional supplement. Maybe for some of you, that's why you're here. Life is kind of challenging and difficult and you want some emotional help. I'm not saying that that's all bad. God will meet you. Maybe it's for help. We view Christianity that way. And all of those are true, but it's more than that. Belonging means responsibility. There is a responsibility of the belonging. You belong to him, you are his, and that means that there's certain responsibilities. It's, it's not just a last name you're brought into a family. It's also, you could think of it as a jersey, that you are now a part of a team or uniform. You're now a part of this, of the service of God. You're not just somebody saying, yes, I believe in the principles of football, but you've been given a jersey now. You're on the team. You're actually on the field. You might go, whoa, how'd I get here? Like, well, you said you believed. He called you, you walked, but he was calling you, he was calling your name from the, from the loudspeaker onto the field. He wasn't just saying your name. He was saying, come onto the field. And now all of a sudden, you're in the game. There is a responsibility of belonging. Paul says that God has gifted you. You were enriched in him in every way, in all speech, in all knowledge. You do not lack any spiritual gift. And Paul will talk about this more later in the book that we will explore. But he is saying God has given you these spiritual gifts. He's enriched you in all these different ways, speech ways and knowledge ways and and then just all sorts of ways. You don't lack any spiritual gift. God has enriched you, enabled you, equipped you, called you, not just to himself, yes that, but also to his service. He has called you to be a part of what he is doing until he returns. You do not lack any spiritual gift as you wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's as you wait for him to return one day. That he has given you tools for the job. He has given you gifts while you wait for him to return. He has given you responsibilities while you wait for him to return. And he will talk about this later, but he will say that because it is from him... Because it's from him, it means we should have no boasting about the gifts that we have. And because it's from him, we don't decide how we want to use the gifts that he's given us. He decides. And because it's from him, it also means that we have a responsibility to use the gifts that God has given us. If you are a Christian, whether you became a Christian yesterday or you've been a Christian for 70 years, if you are a Christian, you have a part to play on God's team. If you are a Christian, he has gifted you. 
He has given you spiritual gifts that are a responsibility to be a part of his mission in the world. Are you engaged? Are you active? Are you seeking to use the things that God has given to you? He has given you a role to play in the church, which is actually really cool. It's actually really good news. It's not just, hey, we just want, I mean, how cool would it be, honestly, if you showed up to the football game and they're like, we want you to play. And you might be like, well, I don't know. I, okay, all right, let's go, right? Like, I mean, it would be awesome. I, I know I'd get, you know, smashed in a second, but I would still want to play. God doesn't just say, sit in the stands. He says, I want, I want you in the game. I want you a part of what I'm doing. I want you to get in here with me. He gives us a responsibility, but it's a, it's a beautiful responsibility. And so just as a practical application, are you engaged? Are you serving? You know that it takes 20, 30 people, depending on the Sunday, to do all the different things that we do here. God's given you gifts to be a part of what he's doing. He wants you to be engaged in his mission in the world. Because you belong to him, you have an identity. And because you belong to him, you have responsibility. And then finally, there is a capability of belonging. As we try to navigate all the different questions that we have, as we try to navigate through life and ourself and the world and everything around us, sometimes we can feel discouraged. It can be hard. Sometimes we can be cynical. We can feel defeated. I don't know if you've ever felt this. Maybe you have felt it recently, even as people are making New Year's resolutions or goals, or maybe just in general, you feel this. You maybe have felt, what's the point? Nothing's really going to change. Doesn't matter what I do. Nothing really seems to work. Is it always going to be like this? Will I ever be able to change in this area? Maybe you've just felt, this is too big, I can't do it. Maybe you've felt, this is too hard. These challenges are too hard. The suffering is too hard. The sin that I wrestle with is too hard. The emotional pain, the baggage from my past, the fear of my future, the problems in my present, the stuff inside of me, the things around me, the people around me. It's, I, I don't know if... Something can actually change. We can just feel defeated. Maybe bitter, cynical, overwhelmed. Paul says, no. He will strengthen you to the end so that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, for the roles that God has given you, and when I say roles, I mean as a mother, as a father, as a husband, as a wife, as a grandpa, as a grandma, as a worker in whatever role it is that's yours, as a leader. For the roles that God has given you, he will strengthen you. For the 
things in your life that he is calling you to change and to grow in, he will strengthen you. For the areas where you know this is going to be difficult, this challenge that I'm going to face, and I don't know if I've got the wisdom, I don't know if I've got the love, I don't know if I've got the courage, I don't know if I have the endurance, the hope, the patience to be able to handle this, I don't know if I'll be able to be joyful in the middle of this trial, I don't know if I can see change in my life, Paul says, he will strengthen you. It isn't just that you can do it, you got this, you're enough. That's not what it is. That's trash. It's he will strengthen you. It's that God is faithful. It's not that you can do it. It's that he can do it. It's that God is faithful. That's the great hope of your life. The great hope of your life is you look at the things that you need to grow in and that that you need to face and that you don't know if you can do it is not you have what it takes. It's that God is faithful. He will strengthen you. He is committed to you. God's committed to you. God doesn't give up on you. If he called you, he will carry you. If he called you, he will sustain you. He doesn't call you in and then say, never mind, you're too much work. I didn't know that, I didn't know that you came with this much baggage. Go back. That's not how God does it. God says, I called you. I set you apart for me. You belong to me. And I will be faithful to you. There is a capability of belonging because you belong to him. You have what you need because you have him. God is faithful to you. Here's what this means. It means that we should pursue living as sanctified people. It means we should pursue living true to who we actually are. Called by him, sanctified by him. Him is our father. Him is our Lord. The gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done to call you, bring you into his family, his life. The gospel requires maturity. When I say the gospel requires maturity, I don't mean that you have to be mature to be called. I mean that as he calls you in, He's calling you in to walk with him, to be with him, to live with him. And he's saying, I'm committed to you. I'm faithful to you. I will strengthen you. But it means that we cannot, and this is why Paul is starting here with this church that's so messed up. He's saying, you you can't say that you belong to him and he's called you and he sanctified you and now you're just fine to stay at the beginning place. He has called you, which means we should be pursuing walking with him in obedience. Sometimes we don't because we feel like nothing can ever change. And Paul's saying, that's a lie. He will strengthen you. Sometimes we don't pursue growth and change because we just say, well, no one's perfect. I'll always be like this. Paul's saying, no, God will strengthen you. 
Sometimes we don't pursue growth and change because we're just afraid of the loss that that will mean in our life, the things we have to give up, the sacrifices we may have to make, the changes it will make to our life. And we feel like, I don't know if that will be good. I don't know what that will cost. What will people think? What might I lose? What, my life will be different. And Paul is saying, yes, but he will strengthen you. He will be faithful to you until you are blameless to the end. God is committed to your change and your growth and your sanctification and you experiencing life the way it was meant to be with him. That means, are you pursuing him? Or have you settled for some half-hearted obedience? Have you settled for some defeatist mentality that's like, well, this is just as good as it's going to get. Nobody's perfect and, you know, let's not be crazy. Paul is saying, God will be faithful to you. So there's a great capability of belonging that exists in our life. He called you not just into belief, but he called you into life with himself. I love how he says it, that you were called into fellowship with his son. It means when God called you, he didn't just call you to believe these things. He called you to himself, to fellowship, to relationship with him. He called you to himself. That's one of the biggest things that's different in Christianity than all other major religions, that it, it's not really just this calling into a belief system or to a way of life or morality, but it's a call to a person. You can know him, walk with him. And Paul is saying, because of that, there is so much capability. You are traveling through life now, not by yourself, but with him. And you can engage with him and, and he has power to change things in your life and he listens and he helps and he's, he's working with you along the way. You're not just called, believe these things, here's what's right and true, now go do it. You're called to him and if you want to think about it, even though this is talking about Jesus, if you want to think about it, called to a relationship with the father who grabs your hand and says, now come with me. And because of that, there's great capability. I can... My kids are older now, but especially when they're younger, I could grab their hand and pick them up over something. There's great capability that you have when you're called into relationship with him. He says, I called you to myself. Listen, God wants you to believe things. He wants you to live a certain way, but he wants you. And he's called you to know him, enjoy him, be with him. Because of that, there is great capability. There are many challenges that we are going to face this year. There's some that you are already facing. There are many challenges. There's many questions. There's a lot of sin that we have to navigate through and need change and sanctification in. There's suffering that you will face this year. Suffering you're probably still experiencing from last year. There's a lot of difficulty. There's a lot of pieces that are sprawled out across the floor. And we need to know where to begin. We need a guide to be able to make it through an insane world and through 
our insane lives and all the different things. We need a guide. And Paul says, here's where it begins. There's a lot that he'll give to us. There's a lot that we need to know and specific things for specific questions. But here's where it has to begin for them and for us. It has to begin with belonging. You belong to him. Because of that, you have an identity. Because of that, you have responsibility. And because of that, you have great capability. There's a lot of pieces all over, but God wants you to be able to begin and build that into something beautiful. The beginning of building is belonging. So where do, where do we go from here as I close? Well, there's just a couple things I want to tell you. The first is, I would, with all my heart, strongly urge you, come to church. I know that's so basic. I know that just is like, well, of course you said that. You're a pastor. I, I know. But Paul starts reminding them, this is who you are. And I believe that the quality of your life will rise and fall based on your connection to God's church. And so I implore you, come to church. See what God will do in your life. And then the second thing that I would want to urge you towards, Dion mentioned it in the announcements, but coming up in a couple weeks, we have a six-week class called our True Life Core Values class. Dion said it is replacing our community groups for the next couple months. Part of that is because we really believe this is super valuable and don't want to have to give you another thing to commit to. We're going to walk through the things that have been the values of this church for the last decade. Things that are very important, whether you're a brand new Christian, not sure what you believe, or been a Christian for a long time. The things that we have hoped and asked God to shape the life of this church that have, but that we want to see reinforced, whether you've been here for a long time or are just checking things out. Things that will reinforce and strengthen the beliefs, the values that God has given to us that will help you walk with him. How to connect with him, how to engage with him, how to build your family, how, how to be able to see spiritual change happen in your life, how to actually read the Bible in a way that you're connecting with God on a deeper level. How to begin to help other people around you that don't know him begin to know him. Things that we all need. So I want to urge you to sign up for that class. Even if you can't make all six weeks, that's fine, but I want to urge you to sign up for that. and Do what you can to organize your schedule in such a way that you can be there. You can sign up for that on our event page on the website. I want to see all you there, at least half you. Some of you I don't want to see there. No, I'm just kidding. I want you all there. Let's let God's word get ingrained into our life. Let's let his, the fact that we belong to him get more deeply ingrained into us. We're going to take communion. If you are a Christian, there's little communion cups. If you're new here and, and didn't see those, uh, every week we take communion. And if you're a Christian, grab one of those. And when we take communion, we are remembering what it took to belong to him. His body broken for us, his blood on the cross shed for us. It says that he called us 
into fellowship with his son. But how is that made available? How is that possible? How is it that we can have, how is it that you can have fellowship with God? Communion with God. How is that possible? It's because of what Jesus did. That's why it's called communion or fellowship. It's because of what he did that we can have fellowship with him. Because all of our sins are paid for on the cross. Because everything that separated you from him, he dealt with. He said, I, I'm not going to view you that way anymore. All your sins that separate you from me, I forgive you because of what Jesus has done. All the things that would keep you from relating to me, I forgive you because of what Jesus has done. We deserve death. We deserve separation. We don't deserve fellowship. But Jesus took the separation. Jesus took the death. And so we are given fellowship and identity and belonging. And so when we take communion, that's what we're remembering. That's why it's called communion, fellowship. We're remembering he gave me fellowship. His body broken, his blood shed, so I could belong to him and to his people. So we'll sing a few songs, take communion when you are ready. I'll be in the back. If anyone would like prayer for anything, I'd be happy to pray for you. Father, I thank you that you call us into life with you, into life with your son, that we don't have to live our life beginning this year, thinking through all the things by ourselves with no guide, but you give us a guide. You tell us that we belong to you. God, I pray that that would truly be our beginning place. Let the identity that we have, the responsibility we have, the capability we have go deeper into our minds and hearts. And as we take communion and as we sing, let us remember who you are and rejoice in the fellowship that we have with you. And God, for anyone that does not know you, I do pray, draw their hearts into this beautiful fellowship that you give. In your name, Jesus. Amen.